Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Yoga in My School podcast. My name is Donna Freeman. I am the host of the show and the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is a place where you can come to learn about all things mindfulness and movement for youth. And today we're taking a bent into trends, and it's 2021. It's amazing to see the transformation of kids' yoga over, for me, the past 20 years to watch it evolve. And we're going to be looking at what's current and what's up and coming and things that you may want to add to your arsenal, your toolbox, moving forward in the kids' yoga world. But before we do that, I want to thank you for being here and for listening and or watching if you happen to be on YouTube, but for listening on your favorite podcast platform um, and for all of your support over the years. It's quite amazing to see where listeners are from in the stats. And um, I just wanted to thank you for being here and let you know some ways that you can support the show. It's easy to support the show. Listening. Yay. We love listeners. You can also like um, sharing an episode. If there is something of value and you think of a colleague or someone who would appreciate hearing um, the topic and the conversation, please share. Also, um, writing a review. That is so powerful in today's day and age. If you want to spend a few minutes and write a review, that means just absolutely the world. And um, and then there is the lovely donate button. Uh, so you can go to the Yoga in My School uh, website, click on podcast and donate a cup of tea, a cup, <laughs> whatever, whatever fits you. But if you found value in, in these episodes and there are about 130 episodes now of the show, um, please support us. We really appreciate it. All right. There is my shameless plug of the, the month, the year. Um, there we go. Got that out of the way. All right. Today we are, my special guest is someone we've kind of kind of worked um, kind of mirror, mirroring one another. We first met back in a 2015 Kids Yoga Conference, and it's been a joy to watch her become an absolute powerhouse in the kids yoga community. And uh, we are excited about where kids yoga is going and the trends that we are seeing. But this is Laura Hawkeiser, and um, we are thrilled. I'm thrilled that we get to spend the next half hour-ish chatting about kids yoga and all things that make our hearts go boom, boom uh, for mindfulness and movement. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a delight. <laughs> Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. 
Sure. I'm Lara Hockeiser. I'm currently living in New York City. I have been working in early childhood education for 20 years um, and been in working on all levels of education um, ever since. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for the vast majority of that time. I've been studying at a college level and teacher trainings really the whole 20 years. So it's been cool to go down both of those paths concurrently. Um, I have a business called Flow and Grow Kids Yoga. Um, predominantly right now I'm focusing on mentoring and training the next generation. So I'm really excited to talk about trends because I have a registered children's yoga school by the same name, Flow and Grow Kids Yoga. Um, and I've done four 95 hour online teacher trainings since the pandemic. So I'm really seeing all of my trainees go out and hit the ground running. And I'm very excited about what they're doing. I also create inclusive, diverse, representative content so that children see themselves in the depicted in the um, illustrations in front of them. I really care about yoga philosophy. I'm doing a lot of um, work to repair some of the cutesy stuff that's out there. Of course, we can have fun and be cute, but I really think it's important to be substantive and ethical. So those are things I'm focusing on and I'm seeing my students go out there and really focus on those things too, which is amazing. Um, and I have had a very active blog for the last five years. And from that blog, I now have a, a book coming out in May um, called Mindfulness in, for Beginners in 10 Minutes a Day. And its release date is May, 2021. Um, I think the Kids Yoga Conference will probably do an event for it. Uh, and we haven't announced it yet because the book is not on sale, but if you're listening to this in you know, March or April, the pre-sale starts in April. So please do reach out to me. Um, and yeah, and so the ability to write that book came from having written and kept a, like a blog and writing all the content and curriculum for years, it just came out. And it's funny getting this feeling of imposter syndrome. Like, how can I write a book on mindfulness when I am like so unmindful? But every single time I lead a course, I remember to analyze my personal practice. I remember to look at my daily life. And, you know, things are a little unbalanced sometimes, but they're trending in a direction I'm proud of. And I also see that in the students I work with, that they're trending towards um, prioritizing an authentic personal daily practice, whatever that looks like for each individual. Um, so that's what I'm up to right now. That's exciting. I love how you say, you know, like how, how, who am I to be doing this? And I felt the same when I first got a copy of my book and I was just like, oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm a published author like what is that and, and you know the first time that you take the seat of the instructor um and 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 do all of that type of thing and it's like am I going to be judged because I'm still such a hot mess and things in <laughs> and things in my life are not perfect and um like I often will tell stories of I'm I'm teaching you how to do it this way because here's the bad yeah. story of when I did it wrong <laughs> how I oh, totally so funny. <laughs> one of my students from my fall cohort emailed me and she's a was a um retired 30-year business owner and she said listen the thing I love about your class is you're always telling on yourself you let us know how you messed up what it looked like and how to correct it you're constantly refining and I think one of the trends you'll see is people paying attention to their missteps and growing and doing so with grace and really changing how they speak, stand, 
behave with children, the whole way we are, whether it's in schools. And I do, and I know you want to talk about social justice and trauma informed, but I know we had a lot of a big overcorrection where we were getting super overwhelmingly like trauma informed. And now I'm seeing clinical pediatric people come into the field who can actually do trauma-informed yoga without like your magical two-day course, right? They have true trauma-informed training and can actually go out and ethically use that title. I don't mention trauma-informed or social justice anywhere on my website or even special needs, but of course, all of those people are being cared for under my, my watch, but I don't have specific expertise in that. The people with that expertise are coming in and professionalizing the industry. And one of the coolest things is seeing the industry growing. I have like neonatologists and pediatric dentists and OTs and people who have masters and doctorates multiple oftentimes in my classes. And I'm their teacher, which to talk about being like, how am I your teacher? But it's because we are calling in really incredible leadership at a high level that are more educated and more willing to go the extra mile than ever before. So we're gonna have less messing up, I think, uh, it, less egregious um, mistakes in schools and in communities that happened when yoga was young before we really got a chance to professionalize the industry. All right. And that's really a, a huge, as, as you say, you know, that is a huge trend. It's, it's wonderful to see this merging of different modalities and that everyone kind of putting in this emphasis on mindfulness and stress reduction and how are we managing anxiety and all of these things, you know, um, psychologists. And as you say, uh, you know, the pediatric medical specialists, um, OTs, PTs, um, and seeing that level of professionalism coming into trainings and I think that that raises the bar with what is expected out of the training that there needs to be that um, the 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 evidence-based like it's okay here is all of the evidence-based and this was a huge this has been you know a huge uh, push in the kids yoga world over the past right. 10 years um, right prove it where are the numbers Prove it, prove it. And I remember the first time that that was really brought home to me was in 2011, Sherry Vilches Blatt, who you know, and who many people know in the kids yoga community, she was approached by a, a reporter and she was said, there's this thing called yoga in schools. Like, who should I talk to? And she says, oh, you need to talk to Donna. And so I got a phone call from a, a lovely lady at the Wall Street Journal. And I went, the what? <laughs> and my husband said, yes, yeah, sure you did. Right. But the, the whole impetus is, you know, we had our conversation. She goes, OK, that's great. Can you prove any of that? Uh, that's such a it's such a question. And it's one of the questions I love and hate. Love it because I do think we need to come at it with a level of credibility. People are too creative. People are too like I can just make my own thing. I think that we do need to understand the like physiological impact of certain practices when it comes to breath and somatics great. Simultaneously, I really don't want to see a principal saying, what are we going to see in terms of behavior shift concretely? Because we will see shifting, but we will see improvement. But before it gets better, it gets worse. Because when people wake up to this, their suffering, when people wake up to what's inside, first it's worse before it's better. And so I think that the data is great. 
But if we just look at the data on this very small snapshot, it can be harmful. So to try to understand how the impact lasts over time with a quality program that really knows what they're doing and that has the right content curriculum um, and ability to implement, right? Because how many times have I shown up with an incredible curriculum and taught games because it just couldn't land at that time, which is actually to me fine to go with what the needs are in the moment and you can integrate those activities and, you know, but it, it's not the level of like, yes, first we're doing this, like you can't build in the same way when those, when you need to kind of roll with it. So it's an interesting time. I think we're in this place where we have some data, we have some early numbers, but we also want there to be um, time and space to let the programming speak for itself in communities. Mm -hmm. And understand, you know, I've had people who've done training with me and then they take it back to their school, you know, their teachers, they're, they're in the schools um, and, you know, they'll implement um, some programming in, in their location. And six months later, the administration is like, well, I don't, I'm not seeing the impact. I'm not seeing these, all of these promises that you, you, you told me were going to happen. And, and it's like, it's only been six months. If, <laughs> the professionals that do the training, say we do professional development at a school on a like a school level, they bring you in in August for the in-service, you spend four hours maybe, then you come back and you spend an hour with the students and you know, we're doing these piecemeal things, we're passing on little bits of information, but the issue is that you cannot train an entire staff in four hours when they're also integrating all the new initiatives the school year and expect there to be a magic wand effect. And that is the issue is that like, if you sign your kids up for karate, you know, it's going to take weeks before the respect is, is there before the impact hits, but there's an, a misunderstanding, a myth that yoga is this thing that is a magically delivered process and you can download the ability to teach this in a two hour PD. And that's just simply incorrect. And so implementation needs high level ongoing training, high level ongoing, either boots on the ground from people like yourself and me and the people we train, or the actual school staff needs ongoing mentorship and support from people like us. And when they get the two hours, a couple times of a school year, the school's able to say, look, we, we invest in mindfulness. But the issue with that is it's truly the appearance of, and that is one of the trends is like the appearance of yoga, the appearance of mindfulness that I'm hoping starts to fade because substantive cumulative effects of actually implementing a curriculum and being there with a community and helping them create something long lasting and enduring. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, as you say, that's a big, you know, it's, it's um, almost this tug of war of you love to see people dipping their toes in the water. It's like, yes, thank you for coming. Thank you for investing and seeing that there is a need for this. Now, how can we now take this to that next level of truly impactful, um, substantive um, content? That's One of the cool things I've noticed is that, so that issue was happening for years for me. I would get hired to do a PD, 
But now I'm seeing districts, they'll do the PD, everyone gets it. They all buy the content, they license the content for, you know, they have the integrating mindfulness curriculum for me. All the classrooms have it. I've trained their teachers. Then I'm actually doing, you know, say on Fridays, I'm working with the teachers to have their personal mindfulness and chair yoga. And then they send people in to do my weekend or foundations. They'll send three or four, and then they'll actually continue and have two to the entire 95. And so now within embedded in the community are people able to create enormous programs with high levels of success that have proven. And it went from being this kind of yoga games thing to a community that understands yoga and mindfulness and has a direct um, experience of the impact. And now the students, so it's very interesting because in some of these same districts, they're looking for grants to send their seniors through my training program, because now the another, another trend, young people can actually look to this as a professional track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I offer um, like, I offer an RCYT, so your your kids yoga, also the 200 and 300 hour training. And we've had um, a number of youth, you know, high school um, seniors and that type of thing come and take the 200 hour training because here in in Alberta, Canada, um, yoga is a four credit course in in high school. And so you can, yeah, super cool, right? So there is, you know, a a grade, grade 10, 11, and 12. So what is that in U.S. terms? Freshman, sophomore, senior? Nope. Yes, we also have 10, 11, 12. Yeah, sophomore, junior, senior. There we go. (laughs) Um, So each of those years, they can take a yoga course and get credit for it toward their graduation. And some of these kids love it so much that they want more. And so mm-hmm. then I have, we have them coming and getting 200 hour training so that they are Very like cool. registered yoga instructors at the age, like our youngest was 15. Wow. Um, right. And then she's back in her school offering yoga to her friends and, and being an absolute leader in her community. And it's super cool to see. Very cool. Yeah. And um, you know, even like next weekend, I have one of these young young people she's a little bit older now she's in her she's at university but she's running um workshops with a um with french speaking kids uh and so it's it's really amazing especially with the internet how we can reach and our extent of you know is so expanded now that it's um, incredible how much customizable and i don't want to talk about the watered down like boutique Thing. I mean, understanding a, an exact community, whether it's one individual, a small group, really understanding the need, right? Because you said like French language. I've been doing Spanish immersion programming for years, but like whatever the individual who takes the training has some special merging of skills and they can reach a very special subset of the community. And now we have the right representation reaching those right communities because I don't know if you've ever been placed in a community that um, wasn't the perfect fit for you because that's happened to me once in my career and it was jarring because I actually felt like I can my nervous system does not relax in this particular environment because it's not the right thing for me it is not my natural teaching strength and it takes more out of me than it you know because when we're teaching in a place from comfort and at home and we're able to really connect Mm -hmm. we can make amazing things happen. But when we're not, 
it's like that's where the accidental harm does. So when we have these really great people coming in and doing something super specific and they're able to go off and reach that really specific subset of individuals who now have a like home yoga practice, they're at home in their body and their instructor has a direct connection to them that really makes sense. Yeah, that's happened with me with um, here locally every year they've held a um, indigenous youth conference and because it's held in a location and I, I've, I've done lots of um, other conferences with this organization and but they've right and so and um, they said hey we're having this and we'd love some yoga and mindfulness and some trauma-informed training for this group and I'm like I can speak to that but I'm not indigenous, right? And, exactly. and so, right? Uh, and so then I was able to train a number of people who are in the Métis community and have, um, you know, native heritage and that type of thing. And I would, I've told them for many years, you need to offer something. They are the messenger. They are the messenger. Yes. yes. Okay, and, so this and it's more powerful because <laughs> it, it, like, uh. I'm not one of your elders and it, it doesn't land the same coming, coming yes. from me. And, you know, just that, that awareness of not all audiences will be your audience, but how do we then empower the right, as you say, the right people to be in the right place to, to bring yes. them. This is so funny because I have a colleague in Japan and I've been working with the Japanese department of ed doing mindfulness training. We don't have a translator. We have a cultural translator. We are, she went through and scoured my curriculum and we had like 14 brainstorming sessions about how to make it culturally relevant and how to even present the workshops because I did have a translator, but the most important thing was understanding how to adapt the activity so they would land. We couldn't like, you know how in the US, for example, people are very opinionated, they're welcome, they're, they'll share their thoughts. In Japan, the students are very unlikely during class to do that. So everything had to be an internal inquiry process. You know, in, in the US, a lot of times we'll have kind of like an external out loud processing of the um, activities. And now maybe the teacher does that processing with the students aloud, but they are not expected to produce verbal responses during the class. And it just makes it more authentic. But I could never have shown up. I mean, I did some research, of course, but I could have never have shown up and just done it the way it needed to be changed. And so when we presented the workshop, it was amazing because you could just see the smiles on people's faces. It felt like home to them. It wasn't my way for these other people. And I think like some of the older yoga, and this is, I want to just quickly step on my soapbox. We don't own this stuff. And when people make you sign a contract that says, I will not create my own content after studying with you, it is a predatory person. You've got to let people go out and create their own thing because their voice is necessary. So if you silence that voice, that is a social justice problem. I never make anybody sign something in my course saying I will not create. I want you to make something of yourself. And one of my graduates from my class that just finished a month ago is a major presenter at this national yoga conference beside you and me, because she had something very important to offer. And I didn't hold her back. I introduced her and she got one of the only three headliner spots because 
that is what's ethical. I knew she had a skill everyone needed in grant writing. People need to get money to keep their programs going. It is the most important thing to keep our industry afloat. I knew it had an ethical requirement to empower her, even if it meant she could outshine me because it doesn't matter. I don't matter. I mean, I matter to my community, but her community matters. The people she is going to empower to be able to get their own money. We're not going to be fighting each other. This feeling of like, there's not enough for everyone that goes away when we actually hold each other up. Yeah. That's a trend. Holding each other up is a trend. Yeah, so you've just covered a couple of trends. One is the cultural responsiveness, is that we need to be adapting whatever we're offering to the community that we are presenting to, right? That that is just an absolute trend and um, that there's no cookie cutter way of of applying yoga skills. And then another one is um, that you've talked about is empowering people within our community and like I always think of it is it competition or is it community like what which one are where are you going because it's one or the other and for me it, it always goes back to community it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast you know 12 years ago was That's literally what my presentation at the conference is this year is on community and connection that is the most important thing right now in the trends yeah great being um, Fantastic. So just kind of, I'm just going to shift a little bit um, because all of this kind of comes down to like accessibility and inclusivity. Mm. That's one of the, those are two of the biggest words I wrote on my post-it. Right. (laughs) Right. Okay. So let's just kind of dive into like, there's a Um, lot of um, bits and pieces of inclusivity and adaptability. Um, inclusivity and accessibility right like those are those are huge things so jump in there like (laughs) this is the thing this is another soapbox issue for me because as I said like I am not a special needs trained educator I have worked with hundreds of students with different needs and I have included them but I'll tell you if somebody says I have such and such and such a child with a specific need that goes beyond your scope, your imperative is to refer out. You do not pretend you have the skill set to include that child if you don't. So either you are able to make your class truly inclusive by understanding their IEP or their um, whatever their needs are educationally. Um, if they normally have a one-on-one, can you have that in your class? Whatever they're, Whatever they need to succeed during the school day, or in other programming has to happen in your class. If you cannot make that happen, like um, my, we used to work with a, um, an, a, a, an organization that did after school program for programs for children with the autism spectrum disorder. And I would only hire really specific teachers for that role who had been working with that population and had specific training in that a master's level or above. And the other issue is then you have to charge enough to pay the people who have multiple masters or a doctorate often, or sometimes they're an MD or a PhD or whatever. So we cannot be afraid to either procure grant money, right? Because if it's a community that needs it, that has special needs and they need this programming, you've got to learn how to get the funding for that so that you can actually deliver at a high level because you don't want to pay somebody $40 who's done 30 years of education. It's just an insulting thing to offer. And so that is a major issue in our industry is 
when we professionalize, we also have to make people understand this product is worth more than you think it should cost. And therefore we have to either find public funding or increase the rate and, and figure it out because we do want to make it accessible, but we also have to incentivize people like yourself and me and all those specific people who are gonna reach those target populations that we love and care about. We cannot include them if we do not pay the right amount. It is not attractive to go to work for nothing with all of that that you've put into it. So I think these issues matter. Inclusion has everything to do with how much we charge. And I'm sorry, but it's true. Everybody listening, you may need to raise your prices because the entire industry is paying for your charity. And I think charity is wonderful when you do it as charity, but when you do it as work, that's where it becomes an issue. So it, it is an ethical issue to undercharge because then people who could reach populations cannot. And then we get underskilled people, right? Doing these very high need jobs in a sensitive population that damage can be done. Yeah. So rather than provide the service, we kneecap yoga. Yeah, that's one of my things that bothers me is people who um, provide a service to, especially to specialty um, populations and they don't have the training. They have the love. It's like, I, I, I see a, there's a love and somebody's asked me to come in and I think I can do it. I really don't have the training, but I can figure it out. And I just go, oh my goodness, <laughs> please, right? It's like, um, you know, and I know it still happens where there is um, a wonderful mom who it, loves yoga and has a great yoga practice and she's going into her child's school and offering kids yoga with no training. Like you say, and it does not compute and it's a total mayhem situation. Yeah, right. And, and they do a disservice to the yoga. They do it, you know, and then the school says, oh, we had somebody come in and it didn't work. And so we're not going to do that again. And then you're just this like, oh, don't do that. People. I know, I know training costs. I'm well aware. <laughs> I've done lots of training. I know there is an investment there, but Trust the value of that investment. Trust the value of those teachers who will provide to you the level of qualifications that you need in order to meet, you know, this request. Hey, can you come in and do yoga with so-and-so? Right. Like, and then you actually have adequate training. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. people, if you're listening, get your training. Don't offer things get that training. aren't that aren't outside of your wheelhouse. Stay in your groove. And if, as you said, if you're requested to do something outside of your wheelhouse, find someone like refer get the help you need. Teach with that person. Here's the thing. You can make a little bit less money and share a program with someone who could teach you so much. Just the value you get by being beside an amazing person, whether you're observing or co-teaching is so much more than you could ever worry about losing a little bit of income on a short term because of how you will grow and who you can, you, you, you could reach someone in the future by spending time with that person. So if you did get something beyond your scope, join the person you find to do that group, maybe as a volunteer or an assistant, then, then the next time it comes up, you might be qualified. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, you know, but now you've also kind of brought up this conundrum of, value for expertise and people who are 
socioeconomically compromised? And how do we, you know, so is then yoga only available to those who can afford it, which is, has been a trend um, and, right. and like rich white, white girls, rich people. Yeah. right? Versus the, you know, so many communities that need, it. That need it that can't afford, right? And so you have this tug of war. How it, do we address that? It feels like that, but that's why it's so, if, if you're listening and this is before April, 2021, the conference, the National Kids Yoga Conference this year, Nat Aiello is a speaker. She's one of my students and is a professional grant writer as a 4-H educator and has just finished her 200 and her 95 with me and is now launching programming on grant money for at-need populations. You can get free money sitting in a bank somewhere it, when you learn this grant writing skill, come to Nat's workshop at the conference because you can serve populations with money sitting, waiting to be spent on them. Literally, there's money for these populations sitting in a bank account, waiting for your creative writing. All grant writing is, is creative writing. Get that money, get paid, get the stuff that community needs. Don't do it for free. Pay yourself a fair wage, get them the programming they need, for the amount of visits that they actually require because there is money. We're just not educated as a, an industry. And this is a trend. I, I know Nat is going to change the world. That's why I got her an introduction to the conference because I said, we need this skill to fix this issue. The social justice issue begins to dissolve when we take the resources available and apply them to the problem. Love it. Love it. It's out okay. there. <laughs> it's out right. there. Um, so <laughs> do you want to tell people about the kids yoga conference so if you are listening and you are unaware that there is a kids yoga conference there is a kids yoga conference it, and this year is amazing because um like i live a good distance away from washington dc like a good distance and i've only been able to attend in person a few times and present there but now this year miraculously everything is online and it's available around the world anytime you'd like to attend people um so the conference is running from april 16th to may 1st it is completely online i am presenting i'm presenting about accounting because <laughs> yoga people don't are not generally business people those are two different mindsets. And so I work in an accounting firm and um, I deal with books. And a lot of yoga people's books are a disaster. Like people have never written an invoice. They don't even know what to do. They don't know what to do with their receipts. So yeah, I'm going to give you lots of tips on how to uh, organize your books and make that like, a happier part of your world. <laughs> what are you presenting on, Laura? I will be presenting on fostering connection and community. Um, and it's, it's just exactly what we've been talking about. And I really want to focus more on the teachers that we train rather than the students. But I think that the trick is going to be making it about the students, but truly it's about us and how we look at ourselves and our relationships. And everything I teach people about children's yoga is about their lives. And they end up growing from that. So. It'll be focused on connecting with the children, but no, and everyone listening, it's really about understanding broader connections and how they make the world better, empowering people. And this is one of the most important things. People worry about like customer retention. How do you think you retain customers? 
love them, understand them, meet their needs, be a customer service oriented person, because that is, it's not about marketing. It's about the connection you make in the way people feel when you work with them. They feel cared for, they feel seen. Um, and I think accounting is part of that too, because like they want to know how to pay you. They want to know, you know all these things, but it's at the end of the day, connection can, it can be taught, but I think like a lot of us are showing up to yoga because we need connection. So whatever your needs are, that can be a great place to start. How do well, how, what would you need? Right. And start there and find out what your people need. So I'm pretty excited to be alongside you at the conference and some other really amazing presenters mm -hmm. this year. The field has been growing and it's become more inclusive, um, which is wonderful. And I'm excited to see what is going to come from it. Awesome. Yeah. So if you haven't already registered, please do so. And if uh, the finances are a burden, there are scholarships to that. Um, so, you know, come attend, delve into, dive into, enjoy, make some connections with amazing, amazing people who um, over the past 12 years have truly enriched my life um, as I've reached out and got to know so many of them. I consider many of them my close friends. And as I was looking through the list of presenters, I was like, oh, it's so good to see her. And oh, it's so good to see her. And I'm like, hey, that's an interesting topic. I'm going to have to reach out to her for an upcoming <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> so in the, the conference I attended in 2015 where we met, I also met Susan Verde, who's now one of my real life friends. We yep. hang out in Long Island She's in lovely. the summer. And Oh my gosh. It's so true. Like, I feel like I've met a lot of my lifelong friends, but if you are an up and comer and you go to the conference, here's a big thing to not do. Do not become anyone else. Do not think you have to do what anyone else is doing. I got totally blindsided by other people's work at the conference in 2015. And it took me off my trajectory for like a whole year. And I started creating content for other people's dreams remember yourself and what, what your intentions are when you attend. So you don't just adopt what other people are doing, but you adapt their teachings to your goals. Do not become anybody else. Be you because that's the most important thing we need is like real people doing their real best with their populations in mind. Yeah, that authenticity. And that's what yoga is all about, right? Is that finding that connection to self, knowing who you are and, and trusting your voice leaning into that like that to me is like okay just live yoga <laughs> awesome this is so fun it has been a delight chatting with you we should uh, probably do this more often <laughs> i know i know and i've been saying this for so long but like we need to make an organization where we are talking in an organized way so put it in your brain <laughs> all right it's there. out there put it in your brains we need some like something you know some governing I, I don't know this is another topic but how totally. do we yeah. keep it going how do we keep it growing you know mm -hmm. in a good way yeah yeah finding that support day to day because it can feel very lonely right totally it can totally. feel lonely. and that you know what that's like my my last point is just my teacher training that I created my RCYT is to eliminate the isolation. The thing that happened with the pandemic that was surprising is doing a training online, you can have incremental training. So we're meeting twice a week, just like night school, just like you get your master's. You're getting six hours a week, not 50 hours in a week for two weeks straight. And then you have to, in, right? You get a slow mm -hmm. integration of knowledge. You get support over three months. You get 
you know, people, I watch every minute of everybody's footage and they get true feedback rather than presenting with a group, which is great, but you don't get as much individualized feedback. I think the mentorship aspect has grown in the RCYT online. And it is a wonderful thing because we're actually able to cultivate leadership that way. We're not just saying, here's your training, go on your island. We are making that web of connection so much stronger and the relationship between student and teacher. My people send me like love letters, cards, like truly every day I wake up to emails, texts, everything. And it's like, that is not a coincidence. It's the impact you make when you truly make a bond and you make a connection. Fabulous. It has been a delight chatting with you. All right, people, those who have been listening, where can they find more of you? So I am Lara Hawkeiser. Um, my business is Flow and Grow Kids Yoga. It's flowandgrowkidsyoga.com. I have an awesome blog. I have an e-commerce store with substantive, um, inclusive representative curriculum um, that's been adopted by school districts across the U.S. and across the globe, including Japan and Argentina. And um, I have all the social media, you know, so you can find me on Facebook. Book and our, our main three are Pinterest, Facebook, and Instagram. And we, if you email me through my website, I will personally respond to you. So if anybody uh, wants to reach me and the next teacher training cohort that I'm launch, uh, leading will be this summer um, in the, the mornings in the Eastern time zone, because I've been doing them all in the evening. And it'll be mid-June through mid-August. So if anybody's looking to join a community, I will um, be putting that for sale. By the time you're hearing this, it will be up for sale again. And um, please do reach out to me. I'm very excited to talk to all of you. <laughs> Fabulous. All right. Thank you for being here, Laura. It's been a delight. Um, thank you to everyone who's been listening and or watching. And again, share, like, comment, rate, review, and donate. Donate. <laughs> I want to keep doing this. to me. <laughs> All right. Have a wonderful day, you guys. Thanks for listening. Namaste. Namaste.